Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on crap cocktails. I am Louise Salas, your host, and with me, as always, is my very talented friend. I will always be her chop to her stick, as long as she is the dim to my sum. <laughs> the mistress DC Gina. <laughs> I like that. That's adorable. Like normally I'm like, you know, getting rubbed into some craziness, but that, that was cute. So here's why. So Okay, you're gonna have to forgive my my bad, probably Mandarin um, enunciation, especially with the dental stuff. But anyway, in 1974, while digging a well outside the city of Shihong, workers discovered one of the greatest archaeological discoveries ever that we know of, um, and it was the Terracotta Army. Mm-hmm. And um, it basically, if you don't know, it was a platoon of life-size, life-size play soldiers that were all poised for battle and they were actually part of a funeral art burial um, for the emperor of that time and he was actually the first emperor of China and that's what this actually means is Qin Shur Hong and I'm sure my cousin would beat me up for that one but in 1910 um, they were buried with him to protect him in his afterlife Mm. and you know thankfully people need wells and that's how they found them it holds it's amazing. Did you not? You know, they were here in D.C. at the National Geographic. I got to see them. Or some of them, not all of them. There's many of them. But there were the soldiers and horses and chariots all made out of terracotta. And they had, like, different facial expressions. And they were lined up by rank as if they as they would have been in life. So where is the emperor? He's gone on. <laughs> so did they find his tomb or they only had the soldiers? No, it was in his mausoleum. All of this was in there. They didn't realize it was underground. Like the mausoleum was a marker, but they were miles away when they went to dig this well, not knowing that all of this was underground with him. Because again, it was like, it was 210 BCE, if I didn't say that earlier, when all the, when they did this. So anyway, they were looking for a well in 1974 is when they found them. So they were lost. They were lost antiquities. It's amazing. Yeah. So, Gina, you want to know how I got there? No. <laughs> yes and no, because I can't even imagine how you got there. So. I'm starting to think that I don't know anything about my... Okay, go ahead. Go. So it has to do with amazing artwork that goes um. unseen. And because, uh, you know, these were buried and never seen again. Um, so... And now they see the light of day, and they're awe-inspiring. So it brings me to today's designated drinker. And she's going to have to tie it together. Because it's a little bit of a stretch, but it will make sense. But I don't want to ruin the surprise. Anyway, today's designate, designated drinker. And you're going to have to say your last name, because I can't. I'm just going to call you Sarah. And she's the owner and designer of her own jewelry and metal goods. Because with this dental stuff, I'm going to jack up your last name. Because I can't even say my own. <laughs> <laughs> So please, Sarah, please tell everybody who you are. Uh, I'm Sarah McLaughlin, which, you know, but is something I've had to deal with my entire life. She does play a hell of a piano. Uh, but <laughs> what's your design name? Sarah though? Cecilia. See, I cannot Story say those. I can't say these. And that'll good. Yeah. Yeah. Cecilia is my middle name. Gotcha. Sarah McLaughlin is a, a tough Google if you're oh, trying no. to have a, your own business. I've had that moment. <laughs> I've had that problem already. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, well, that's that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it became Sarah Cecilia, not Great. Sarah McLaughlin. That's awesome. <laughs> so as your story unfolds, because I really want to jump into all the amazing work and how you got there, I 
I know you're gonna t you're gonna pull my terracotta army into this and why it's relevant. <laughs> I'm gonna I hope. try. I hope. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, tell us when your love affair with metal happened. My love affair with metal. How I, did this happen? Well, I'd say it first, I guess, sort of happened when I was at the Corcoran, which mm -hmm. is where I got my BFA. The sort of RIP Corcoran. It's still at George. It's still yeah. at GW, but it's not the college that I went to anymore unfortunately Aww. but it was a wonderful place and I was a sculpture and ceramics major and I had to learn how to do steel sculpture I had to learn how to weld but I didn't I loved working with metal I loved learning how to weld I did not love the aesthetic of steel sculpture I found it cold just yeah. none of it really spoke to like I felt like expressing who I was as an artist but then many 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 years later I had this cheap gold H&M necklace. <laughs> it fell apart, big shocker. <laughs> and I went about looking to get a solid gold replacement made and could not afford the, the prices that I was being quoted for that solid gold replacement. So I started looking at the necklace construction and I started thinking that it wasn't so difficult, that I could probably make it myself. So I started, I checked out books from the library. I started with simple hand tools and I just started messing around. That's awesome. Yeah. And having that background and learning how to work with steel made it not so intimidating to jump into yeah. working with fine metals because it's really just the scale is different. Like soldering and welding are not that different. Uh, yeah, yeah. In so, principle. In yeah. Principle. <laughs> so like going out and bringing like a tank, getting a tank of gas and a torch wasn't like this huge artistic leap for me in that sense. That's cool. And then it really just snowballed from there. And I realized it kind of hit me. I was like, oh, this is how I like to work with metal. Like, I always knew there was something there, but it wasn't until then that it was that, like, light bulb cool. moment of, That's really cool. this is how I want to do it. That's really cool. Yeah. I just realized my mix, you saw my mixer necklace that's broken. I, I really do. <laughs> I found it. <laughs> so hold on a minute. My brain is my yeah, yeah, You yeah. saw my necklace. Yeah. Uh, it was temporarily lost for several years when I moved studios. And then when I cleaned out my studio over the holiday season last winter, I found it in a drawer in the back in a box. And I was like, what's in that box? And I opened it and I just started cracking up laughing. I wish that I got it fixed in time to bring today, No, no. We're gonna, we're gonna it still exists. That's so funny. All right. Well, should we cheers? At oh, yeah. Fine? Well, let's talk about it. Oh, wait, what do so, we have here? So, so. Howard does need to drink around my friend Sarah loves whiskeys. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, whiskey bourbon. Um, from what I, I, I would, it's more the caramelly, floral, right? You might have gotten the scotch by now, like more scotchy. Sure. In the in the wintertime. Yeah. Scotchies. I feel I feel scotchies. like I feel like this is a like so this is Bellmead um, Reserve. Oh. And they're from Tennessee, and it is um, it's right on the border. It's in Nashville. And they're just a really beautiful whiskey. And it's kind of like a great outdoor whiskey because you don't want something too, like, in your face, rip it off. You know, you're sitting outside. We're at Union Market in suburbia, sitting outside, hear the birds chirping. Yes. And, you the know, construction, it's a nice little sipper. Yes. And then this way she'll tell us all of her deep dark secrets. <laughs> but will she tell us yours? Yeah, as I say. <laughs> That works both ways. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, secrets of, like, how to make metal art. How to make metal yeah. art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The funny thing is, Sarah, uh, we have a lot of Gina's friends on the show mm -hmm. because I'm not from this area. 
And I think that's a good thing that it's Gina's friends and not mine. Keeps <laughs> <laughs> all your secrets uh-huh. intact. Yeah. 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 Smart. We're, yeah. We're on an eagle playing ground when we like travel because I don't like it. It's a toss up who's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing is, is that we're now making our own secrets. <laughs> Pretty much. In New Orleans. Hmm. Anyway. Interesting. <laughs> and now back to you. Yeah, back to you. <laughs> so it was just that cheap necklace as you call it yeah and i still have it oh, i've kept it it's that's like, kind of fun yeah it's in the archives that's fun <laughs> is it your muse like do you call it like, like think of it as a muse or and it's- i mean it's interesting because there are elements of it that like i can sort of see still today i don't necessarily know if it's like a muse but it is it's bizarre considering so, how much my work it's has like changed like a touchstone maybe it's yeah. like a touchstone it's somehow always somehow comes back to that like simple execution, classic design, is it timeless, of, like it, it really encapsulates all of that. Isn't that kind of funny, like the most random things can actually be those moments of inspiration. Like when you bought that yeah. necklace, it was... Never would have guessed. It's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. That's why you always say open, because you just never know. How do you go about that? Like, you know, I find what you do amazing, because like you, you know, you go to market, you have like, first of all, I mean, just like stop. You make jewelry, right? How do you even like, beautiful jewelry? Beautiful, beautiful jewelry. But how do you even like decide like, yeah, this is gonna go to market, and I am gonna make a mass production of this, and like I'm the gonna little sell. Piggy? I'm gonna sell. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna sell it well, to people. I can tell you this: the first thing is that I don't make a mass at first, because anyone who designs anything will tell you, you'll always get burned that way. Like, there's so many times where I've made something and I thought, oh my god, this is just gonna like. We're going to burn through so many of these. And then, like, three years later, I'm still trying to get rid of, like, the last five. And then there's that one thing that you make, and you made, like, four of them. You go, well, maybe someone might buy it. And out of nowhere, that becomes, like, your next big hit. So these days, I do tend to work in small batches at first. And then as interest grows in those pieces, I make bigger and bigger and bigger batches. Because it's a uh, way you can put your toe in the water, right? Yeah, it's like, it's it's a nice way to kind of just gauge what the response is going to be. Because it is, retail can be frustratingly unpredictable. And some stores, like, well, they sell all of my necklaces and none of my earrings sell. And in another store, they sell nothing but my earrings and they're like, we can't move the necklaces. It's like, yeah, no rhyme or reason. They really, and in, I, the store owners also feel the frustration of being like, they also feel like they're just like throwing a dart at the wall because it's all a little bit of guesswork at first. It's fickle. Yeah, it is very much so. Do you do online sales? You know what I, I do. I don't, unfortunately, at the moment, I don't focus on them as much as I did in the past. Um, since my son was born, sort of focusing more on the wholesale part of my business has kind of made more sense. It's easier for me to manage with having a little less time available to work these days. <laughs> but that's something that, I mean, it's still, I still do sell online, but it, once he's a little bit older, I will be but the giving good news, more love to that side of the business. Is, but the good news is, our listeners, no matter where they are, yeah. can actually go online. Oh, that's, absolutely. That's how I saw your work. It's all there. It's Yeah. Up, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the store model and the, and the wholesale model and the uh, website model, I use all of those together. Who drops off the jewelry that, like, for you do it all, right? Do you have any employees? I, oh, God, I wish. <laughs> Cheers to I that. always, I know, like, good Lord, someday, someday. I always joke about getting an intern. Um, 
No, it's still all me. Now, I do have some vendors that I work with who help me with a lot of the production casting and things that I can't take on time-wise, um, and that helps a lot. But I I don't even know how we begin to train somebody. I mean, Gina, you could probably teach me about how to train people to, like, execute your work. Yeah, I think you and I are both the same. You hide them in a basement for a year. Yeah. And you train train them. And then you release them to the light and you go, Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. You and I could probably take those. I'm the same way when you're talking about even producing all of this. I have friends. I'm like, it's this. It's all this. And my friends are like, well, what if you got an intern? And I'm like, where would, I, where would I even begin? That I don't was, know where you yeah. begin. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, we're in the same boat. I, think I also you be- feel like I'm still learning so much about Amen. what I'm making that the people have often asked me if I'd be like, could teach a class and what I was like, I'm still learning. Like, I don't even know if I'm even but qualified. I think, but I even think that people <laughs> um, who are you're teaching. definitely qualified to teach a class. I think that's what makes teachers great is are the ones that are still learning. Yeah, I, I guess still that's true. still learning is I think it's when you I've always said that like when you stop learning, when you think you know everything about whatever it is you're doing, you know everything. Then you just need to quit and start something else. It's time to, because yeah. you have falsely gotten yourself to the point where you think you know everything. Yeah. So you need to go back into a space that you know nothing. So. That's how I feel about bartending. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> I was just saying, I don't I think like, that's true. Lying. <laughs> um, hold on a second. So I, let's, let's have a cocktail. Let's have a, okay. so we have, we're sipping on bourbon. We're going to have a little cocktail. They're so beautiful. And Sarah made the picks that are on the drinks. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, so was, even if the drink sucks, the pick is beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to say There's that, always that. You know what I was going to say? There's something to really like over the top. So let me say what we're looking at. We're looking at these beautiful garnish picks and there are moons and arrows, right? Moons, mm-hmm. yeah. And they're, um, go- they're gold or they're brass? They're uh, brass, but they're gold plated. So they're, so, okay, so, so they're stunning. And if you see them right now, you have on there, you have on there, um, you know, a flag. So a flag is an orange and a cherry that's pierced together and it creates what they call a flag, kind of like a, like a, like a, like a pirate ship. It comes from tiki cocktails. Yeah. So, what so this, are all flags only oranges and cherries? That's technically, when someone, when a drink calls for a flag, that's what it is traditionally. Not if just. somebody gives you direction to do something else. So what we have in the glass is, um, so we, we're, we're sipping the Bellamy Reserve and we're mixing <laughs> with the Bellamy bourbon. And this is uh, um, basically essentially a pineapple whiskey sour done with a little bit of cardamom. So it's uh, two ounces of Bellamy bourbon, um, one ounce of pineapple, uh, half an ounce of cardamom syrup, all shaken, and then a little bit of uh, lemon juice. Oh, so nice. Well, yeah. cheers to you guys. Cheers. cheers to that. So we have a long drink and a shot, basically. Thanks for a long Ooh. episode. <laughs> but when you think yeah. about, like, you know, we talk about inspirations and stuff like that. Like, I did not know you were bringing the picks, which I was super excited that you did because I wanted to do something with that. But, you know, I don't know how, I, in your space, like I look at you, stuff that you do, I see you at the, I see you at different places, I see your jewelry now at different stores, people that pick it up and everything, especially here in DC. And I'm always thinking like, how do you come up with that? Because like, I get the whole like shape or the, I mean like, what do you do? You see something and you're like, I'm gonna do this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes, correct. Um, I say specifically it's the, the cocktail picks. Those were the first like non-jewelry oh, items I started making. And that was truly, I was still bartending at the time, and I was just looking for a set for myself. 
and I couldn't find what I was looking for. Like, there was either these, like, very, like, Holly Hobby-looking ones. <laughs> yeah, <lame. laughs> oh, Yeah. Uh, or these, like, gorgeous, like, vintage Tiffany ones that I could afford. Like, I just couldn't find that right mix of what I was looking for. And then it was just one of those, like, well, duh, Sarah. Like, you have know-how <laughs> and a workbench. Like, make them. You clearly, like, clearly you just need to make them. And then after that, I started making the bottle openers, and that kind of served moving me into more categories so there's now a balance of jewelry and non-jewelry metal items that I make I like the Art Nouveau feel of your body. Yeah. It's so you know, pretty. It's, it's so funny. You say Art Nouveau, right? And I gotta tell you, like, I have this, like, Egyptian thing in my head when I look at them. Yeah. Like, when you look at, like, the hieroglyphic, like, markings and stuff, and, like, and I don't know why. The title of one of the patterns is Cleo because it does have, like, an Egyptian inspiration. See, Gina, you know. You're an artist. You know. Long time ago. You know ago. what you're looking at. <laughs> long, long time ago. You're yeah, always no, an, what's you're, an artist always, always an artist. You're born. You're, I, I do believe that you are born an artist or you are not. And no. it's not saying that you can't become artistic or have your own love. I think we all are born with a certain amount of ability, uh, a, a talent of some sort, and yeah. we all have varying levels of that talent, of said talent. But I also don't. I, and I also believe you go to school to become better at technique, but you are never a better artist. It makes you, Does I think, a better sense? critical thinker. I think yes. that's the thing that they're always... You can learn those things. It's less about, sometimes, about the art itself. It's more about how you interact with it and talk about it and yep. engage with art that sometimes is what I think they're actually drilling yeah. into you. And but, I think you dig deeper. You learn how to dig deeper yeah. and get past things and be able to focus. But I think you are... You have whatever... That, that talent is of... We come with varying degrees of it. I always find that, like, work makes work. Like, yeah. for me, I mean, of course, I sometimes I see certain, like, I'll be out and about and I'll see certain patterns or I'll see some type of, like, motif in a building and I'll take a quick picture of it because there's something about that that strikes me. But 99% of the time, every idea I've ever had has come while I've been working on another project. Oh, really? Always, without, without a doubt. So it's like, huh. It's, and that's one of the things that always keeps me working is that I know that that's where the next project's going to come from is while I'm working on well, this project. That's very interesting. Yeah. I love oh. that. My, my, my process is very different, but that's yeah, really Yeah, no, work makes cool. work for me. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it all feeds into one another. <laughs> Vicious cycle. <laughs> yeah, and it's frustrating at times when, like, you know, because once I'll be working and then I'll start seeing this other project happening in my head and I will quickly then sketch it because then I because I will forget it but um and it, it is frustrating when I'm at times like in the holiday season where there's like a bit of like a backlog and I'm like I can't wait to get to January so yeah. I can start making yeah. <laughs> all of these new things that I don't have time to work on a little bit of but I'm busy and I'm working <laughs> so ideas are coming yeah. <laughs> see I think you know what's fascinating to me is like you know you've had like I I think this you could tell me I'm dead wrong Seeing your work from when you were behind a bar <laughs> and working at Proof and like yeah. making cocktails and then working like during the day and then doing that and going back to now where you are. And I, I think in the last like, I'd say five, six years, like your work has become very definitive. Yeah. Like you're like, you've developed your stylized, like you could see you in it. Yeah. Even though things are wildly different, you have like, um, everything she does is very clean. Like it's it's finished. Like um, 
you, know, you see a lot of these uh, jewelry vendors, and they'll be like, it's a little dip of gold or silver in this little pinpoint. And like, I'll pick it up and I'll look at it and I'll go, oh, this isn't finished. And then they're like, I'm like, how much is this? And they're like, $125. And I go, you might have put $125 <laughs> of silver on here, but she didn't finish. You have a dip here. And they're like, do you make jewelry? And I'm like, no, I don't make jewelry, but I do buy jewelry. So, <laughs> so don't sell that yeah. crap. But I do. But I love how you, you're stuck. Like you could, you could pick it up in a lineup now. Like it's like, you're not doing what people are doing. Yeah. Well, I will. I agree with you. I do think I agree that in the last five six years, things really have kind of gelled and solidified, and I feel like I've become very clear about what my aesthetic is and what my style is. And I also think the major shift that happened in my work ex- almost exactly five, six years ago is that I started working in wax almost exclusively. Yes! We're finally getting <laughs> back to my inspiration, the terracotta yeah. army. That was the major shift that happened. <laughs> Wait, is that how they did those things? No. No. So, please, and then I'll, say how, I'll explain how I got there. <laughs> so, you know, when... When you're working in metals, there's basically, there's, we'll say basically there's two routes you can do. There's the one that I used to do where you basically do metal fabrication and that you start with like sheets and wires and you fabricate shapes from there. But it's a little bit limiting. There's only so many profiles. There's only so many shapes and profiles that you can make working from those base, base materials, which is why sometimes I feel like you do kind of see some like repetition in the handmade jewelry world. But once you work, start carving from wax and use the lost wax casting process, you can make anything. Anything is possible. It's just a matter of you learning how to work with the wax and carve the shape that you want to want to create. And it really, it really gives you the opportunity to make something that nobody else is making. It's yours. It's not anybody else's. I try to make them as I try to make the wax as pristine as possible, but I'm a human being, so my hand's always going to show, and I like that. I like that there's a little evidence of me yeah. of in that of human. Yeah. It wasn't done on a computer. Yeah, I mean these picks are pretty pretty close to perfect. <laughs> I mean I could tell you what's not perfect with yeah. them, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Don't tell me. I feel like I, I would. I honestly was going to ask you, like, did you like? Is this now done fabric- fabricated? These are well. I still actually have to solder the the stick to the the to top. The, to it's the, kind yeah. of a long story why, um, in terms of price points. That makes it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also why I gold plate them because the solder because those pieces are soldered together and solder is not kind of safe. Hides, yeah, it hides. Oh, yeah. It does that too, but it's also solder is technically food safe. So yeah, oh, that's that makes sense. So. When we were talking about her wax sculptures that she makes this the the jewelry from, I was like, that's the that's a piece of artwork in into itself. This beautiful piece, carved piece that yeah. you make, and we were discussing that, and she's like, but it's it's gone in the casting. It's casting. Yeah. Is that the correct casting? Term? Yeah, mm-hmm. gone in the casting process because the wax then is. And I was like, oh, that beautiful piece of artwork is thus gone. Like the wax itself has a short shelf life and is gone. It's gone. And no one gets to see it. That's where the terracotta sol- soldiers, the hidden ones that are found, they were never meant to be seen. They were meant to be buried yeah. underground with this with this emperor, but yet they're amazing pieces of artwork that we are fortunate enough that somebody dug a well and found. 
this is the crazy junk that I have. <laughs> so how do you make the form? So if you have the wax, you carve the wax, and what do you put it in to make the form? So for because the wax... that becomes the form, right? Yeah, so you have the wax, and then they basically make what's called like an investment mold. It's basically like a plaster. Okay. And once that is set, you burn the wax out. Right, you pour it in, right? And then metal is poured into the investment and then the investment washes away. It's dissolvable. And what you're left with is, is the master model. That original metal model, you then, because then of course any little imperfection that you really couldn't see in the wax, you see it for a lot of the metal. Yeah. So then you go in and you kind of go like, oh, that spot. And you, you know, take care of any of those irregularities. And then that metal model, then there's a rubber model. <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot of steps. But then they use that one to make lots of waxes. They use this thing called injection wax that if you need 50, you can make 50 waxes and they're sprued together and then they go into an investment mold and then you start the process all over again. It's so cool. Yeah. It's super, it's super cool. I can, I do only just like small one-off casting myself. The production casting, I have um, a guy in Rhode Island that I work with. But you it's know that something... one guy in Rhode Island? Oh, <laughs> interestingly enough, Rhode Island is like a metal hubs. Really? It's crazy. Yeah, there's so many, like, there's casters, there's platers. I mean, there's obviously, like, New York, but Providence, like, Rhode Island area is a hub of metalworking. Well, I have to say, that kind of makes some sense with some of our past guests when we yeah. talk about what was happening. I go back to when Victoria was on the show from The Hour when she was telling us about when certain things were happening in certain parts Nate of the country. She was yeah. showing Napier, um, you know, talk about the jewelry when people could afford um, solid silver barware. Yeah. So the Napier was one of those jewelers that made those beautiful jiggers. Yeah, oh, God, Lord. I know, and they're like, I would love to make something. I know, but like, <laughs> you have the one client that wants a six hundred dollar yeah. jigger. Yeah, that's Cause it's the problem. Because it's, it's got to be six hundred dollars. Yeah. But, you know, I have to say to you, I like, run into that issue all the time. <laughs> but you know, it's funny you say that, right? But I think about some of the people I know. I buy plated stuff all the time because I love the way it looks. And stuff, but you can't wash it. You can, but you have to be careful. Right, but if you have real pieces, right? Yeah. You can wash them. Oh yeah, and then you and then you polish them up, and there you go, folks. People don't want to pay for them. But you know what? I think you pay for it anyway. Because because I went up throwing out these things that cost me ninety dollars plated, right? And they go ninety dollars plated, ninety dollars plated, and then we go to, you know, by the time you get there, can I afford a solid gold shaker? No. But in time. (laughs) But can I afford? a beautiful like made silver set or oh, I probably could now and because yeah. for me for the for the for me for yeah. you for, yeah. the, for the bartender at home that buys the you know you're an at home bartender you're listening to the show you're you're totally into it you know these are things that like you gather for your bar like why just buy the most expensive whiskey you can afford you have $1,100 bottle of whiskey you clearly need the better pieces you need the beautiful picks you need the better bottle yeah. you need because it goes together you know, yeah. it's like serving, um, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. caviar on a plastic plate or a paper uh, plate. <laughs> well, you know, I'd rather have caviar on a paper plate than anything metal because it'll ruin the caviar. I'd rather have caviar on a paper plate than a plastic plate because why? Plastic is not sustainable. Well, plastic is not sustainable. Well, paper isn't either. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I, at least it breaks down. I mean, when you get into the economics of it, paper is the only business that over time has actually grown year after year. Yeah. Do you know that? I believe it. It's the safest, slowest growing investment you could ever make in your did life. Did you say growing? Did you mean that pun? Growing. You know, I <laughs> really? did, but now I did because I'm so smart. 
Or I'm whiskeyed. Yeah. Might be a little whiskeyed. Or I don't know. Not. I said scotchy earlier. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Scotland. I really don't know what I'm doing today. Um, I, I have a fun story just because I want to share it with you. Um, Please. When I was in college and I was in art school, we used to go buy old lawnmowers and we would melt them, right, to get the aluminum out of them. Yeah. And like all the impurities and get like this aluminum that you would put yeah. boiling. And we would do this in school because we were idiots. And you can buy, by the way, you can buy an old lawnmower at any like thrift store that doesn't work because the aluminum on there is really good actually. You like look at this pure aluminum and the aluminum outlet you could burn off. I'm sure I have all kinds of cancer I don't know about yet. <laughs> yeah. I was just say, I hope you're wearing a mask. Yeah. Uh, no, we weren't. Because now no. here's, where, here's where your mind's gonna get blown. We used to take styrofoam chunks and like draw pictures in it and then pack it in children's play sand in like metal buckets and then pour this hot aluminum into yeah. the styrofoam, make this like, you know, sculpture, right? And sand casting. Yeah, sand yeah, casting. That's a real thing. And we used to do this, right? And yeah. like <laughs> I'm telling you folks, I have all kinds of cancer you don't even know about. And, <laughs> and we would sit around, like, as close as I am to this microphone, and be like, oh my god, it's totally on fire, it's happening! <laughs> look at the black smoke, look at the blue, look at this, look at that, right? 100% sure that like, yeah. Yeah, something yeah. really bad's going to happen. Like, so yeah. I have I have one to it's on that as well. Since, yeah. <laughs> Since we all went to art school, yeah. so but I went for industrial design, right? And so the way to make those mock products is we would use insulation foam mm -hmm. and you would use like 3m glue that you would then make bigger blocks to glue them together so you could make bigger pieces well if you inhale too much of the 3m adhesive glue back then it's a good time well it is <laughs> except that it can also glue your lungs together oh do you know how? Oh, what? Yeah, because if you inhale that adhesive, it goes into your lungs. It could actually pull your lung, like keep your the fibers of your lungs together. So the, at least they told us, please wear it. When, I mean, who did? My then boyfriend, now husband, would come home and I'd be in the house. I glued shit. I primed shit. You were doing I'd this like, indoors too. Indoors, wow. and he'd be like, <laughs> and and of course then you had to use primer paint, like Satan. He'd be like. I'd come in, he's like, how's it going? I'm like, it's great! <laughs> so, like, hi! Not even knowing. Because I was in, I was doing my art, man. Yeah. <laughs> Art's gotta but, be done. But to your point, <laughs> how much cancer do we have? Yeah. Who knows? I'm, I'm way... Are you safer way, now? I'm way, oh, God, yeah. Way safer than I well, ever... We, where, how ever old were we then, too? I yeah, mean, like, course, oh, we were gonna yeah, live please. forever. Was, yeah. When I had my children, it's when I started caring. Yeah. Like, I'm not kidding. It makes a difference. Like the fuming paints, painting their walls, yeah. doing stuff like that. Like I just did their bedroom furniture, right? Just yeah. really stupid, like repainted furniture. Um, and um, they were gone for the, they went to my sister's house for like three weeks last summer. And I bought actual shellac because I know that <laughs> shellac's the best white yeah. on the surface, right? Yeah. So I put it on, don't think about that I have the AC going or any of those things. <laughs> Didn't open a window, Sheena. right? Leave for work. Leave for work is, of course I did it like in the early wee hours of the morning. Leave for work, Neil calls me, he goes, what happened in the house? Like, oh, I slacked the beds. He goes, oh, I know you slacked the beds. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, how do we get rid of this? So I start looking up what I did to the house. Well, apparently when you do that, you need to put charcoal into your HVAC system. Oh, it's oh, the okay. only oh, way yeah. to clear it. To clear okay. it. Interesting. Because it can linger in your house for longer than a month. Yeah. I'm wow. fucked because I don't have an HVAC system. 
we have like radiators, so. Oh, but it's actually yeah. it's called fans. Yeah, it's actually they fans. say that radiators are better for you. I mean, I love our radiators. I I'm in no better. hurry to get rid of them, but I don't, don't. have extra filtration. I just think I just, yeah, I just think it's not a fan. <laughs> yeah, we do. My father's put many, many ceiling fans in our house, but yeah. Uh, I also almost passed out when, so I went back to school for photography, oh, and I had a dark speaking room. Speaking of chemicals, yeah. Yes, I had a, ba- a dark room, and this is many years ago. I love the room that smells. Oh, I know. Fix, we've talked about this before, but um, set it all up and forgot to turn my bathroom van on. Oh. Yeah, and I'm in yeah. there for a while. All of a sudden, floor. I was like, Woo! I had one of those moments, and I was like, let's go. Oh, shit, I don't have the fan on. <laughs> Yeah, well, after my, my son but was born. But of course, born. you know, I didn't open the door. Oh, no. I, why, of course, because I was going to ruin all my, I was going to ruin all yeah, the images. I just waited. Um, when my son was born, it was one of those things where, like, when I was trying to figure out how to work and take care of a baby, which was, you know, a whole other thing into itself, I was really just like, God, I wish I had a clean craft. <laughs> like, I can't take him out of the basement with me. We have a basement-y basement. I mean, it's a cellar. It's not a basement. Well, you're... It's like... And then I was just like, oh, all those people who do all those tidy, tidy crafts that you can do with a baby. I was like, why did I... Why did I pick this? I mean, you should bring back Dada. Start cutting paper and yeah. throw it randomly and then yeah. glue the fucking thing down. But I said, I can do... <laughs> for a while, I could do wax work in the same room with him. Oh, sure. Until he could climb up on a table. Because now there's like... That means like there's sharp things everywhere. Oh. But at least the wax itself is not good. See, I only have puppies. You just can't put them in a kennel? Like, just shut the gate? I mean, up until about a year ago, I could. (laughs) Unfortunately, they learn to climb. It's this problem where they, yeah, yeah. they really, they're problem solvers, unfortunately. And they have thumbs. Yeah, unfortunately, he's a smart one. I was like, why didn't I have a dumb baby? Because you and your husband are geniuses. Life would have been, life would have been a lot easier. Yeah. You're married to like one of the I smartest know. human I beings. Like, I should have drank more when I was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Norm, if you're ever listening to this yeah. later in life, as like when mom I'll is I'll tell like, this oh, to your face. She didn't really mean it. <laughs> We're happy you're here. She oh. met it partially. Oh, we are definitely outside. You have a yeah, friend in your I have a friend in my drink. It's called protein. Yeah. It's all right. Have that drink. No, it's, it's fine. Protein. Please. The old bartender me knows that you know do you, you just miss pick those my, flies out you keep going it's not even a fly I think you're gonna wasp <laughs> yeah, I think it's a wasp so who you get a baby so, wasp in your drink that's kind of nice yeah, or it's, it's like good luck maybe I don't know maybe we should just eat it and see what happens yeah. after I have cancer okay, okay, you, got, you guys go ahead and eat it there, let me know how that works out it could be our test case so can, you so we've already talked about the fact that you were one to bartender do you miss it <sighs> yes and no there are things that I definitely miss about it like sometimes if I like I'm out sadly not that often these days but when I'm out <laughs> and like I'll see like a bunch of people like cackling at a server station I'm just like that looks like fun that looks like fun you they're young when. they're having a great time talking about like, the night before who yeah. did what it's only like nine o'clock and they've got like hours ahead they have all this energy and I'm just like god <laughs> like if I could go back to being like that age and bartending absolutely I now go to bed at like a pitifully early hour and like I've recently realized that like drinks that I used to just be able to like whip out like I now would have to be like wait what's that ratio like it's starting I don't know if I could find like a cushy like lunch bar job <laughs> Like, that's which, what we, that that's doesn't what, even exist wait, anymore. You and me, Sarah. I do all the luncheon at yeah. kind of concept. So. <laughs> you and me, Sarah. We'll, yeah, be, we'll like, be the artist behind the bar. Can I do like a nude to two shift? <laughs> yeah. Like that would be like a dream. Like, can we bring well, back the power lunch? That's nap time, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I gotta say, you know, like, let's bring back power lunching, and then I can bring back bartending. My, my favorite. You know what my favorite thing is? Like when you go to Paris, right? 
that is a real time to have cocktails. Like oh, they yeah. still embrace the the time off from work, having cocktails, and returning to work. Well, I mean, the Europeans have figured out life yeah, far no, better no, than no, I, no, 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 no. I'm talking about like specifically the Parisians, because you can go to a bar at noon, and you will think it's five o'clock in America, and they have going back to work at 1.30. And yeah. it is... Spain is the same. And like I love that. Yeah. Years and years ago when I worked at a fine dining restaurant on K Street, I had like all these old-timey regulars and this guy, Charlie, who was like of that era of like back in the power lunch and his thing was always, he was like, the problem with like the two martini lunch is that the glasses got too big. And I was like, you're so right because like there was like right when you and I first started bartending, there was like a six ounce martini glass was like a yeah. standard yeah. So glass. And now we're finally like pulling back to like that three ounce drink that like you can. <laughs> you know, I gotta be honest. It's you, becoming more dignified again. Fridays, <laughs> Bennigan's, all of it ruined it. Houston's, yeah. name it. Name it's all the brands. Well, I just think it's America. Everything's always bigger. It's larger. It's yeah. 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 It's America. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Because that's why we that's need too. larger seats <laughs> on airplanes. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, can I, all right, so being a plus size woman, I will say this to you all. I learned my lesson in life, so I had my babies, and um, when I was pregnant, I was took a flight, and I had to get a lap extension, right? And a woman next to me was also pregnant, very tiny, on the last rung of her thing, and I, that's when I realized, do I need all the bread that I'm eating? Like, <laughs> because having the lap extension to me was like really like a wide like wide eye thing. As soon as I had my baby, I had taken fights. I, I fly a lot, and I was like right back to normal, right? But I was like, but I mean, I mean not normal, but normal like I could still feel anything. I think about that all the time, and I advocate for you know the confident woman. I advocate for the confident man. I don't I, I don't think you should ever be. Um, pigeonholed by your size, right? No, absolutely I am, I'm not. definitely, uh, you know, whatever. I do whatever I... I we both everything. are. Absolutely. But yeah. what I but what I think is always like, you have to maintain some sort of health, even with cocktails, even with anything you drink. I love the smaller glasses. I love the two martinis. The reason why the two martini lunch was so great is because they were small and they didn't get hot. Yeah. You were supposed to have a three-ounce martini and a three-ounce martini, yeah. which makes up for really one... Yeah. Right? And like, and they got, and they were stayed nice and cold, yeah. and they were delicious. I don't want the dregs of a six ounce martini. And I'll be honest <laughs> with you, like, like you know, you, in the morning you do the details, and in the afternoon at work you do the creativity. So, you know yeah. what? If you need a little lubrication and be creative, I say, sure. hey, I'm, always, I'm better juiced. I always said, I always said I was better creative. Like, not like you're hammered, but I think it's just enough to let all the other tensions go away. You're not. You're just, you're just approaching things in a different space. You're not worried about the bills. You're not worried about, like, all of those things. Your inhibitions have also dropped. Sure. Which allows you to go into that space. I'm not saying that you have to be, like, totally looped, and I'm not advocating for, you know, drunkardness at work, obviously. Well, yeah. Unless you're bartender. No, okay. <laughs> or you have a podcast called The Mississippi Drinker yeah. Show. <laughs> yeah. With the lisp. <laughs> Nobody can hear. I don't even. I don't. I know. I really do. You know, I can. Only, I hear myself. Yeah, you so. hear it in your yeah. head. So. <laughs> so the listeners Shoot. that are listening, Shoot. um, 
Louise is self-conscious for no reason. Yeah, we back. can't hear it. <laughs> so now that you're now, do, now do you tag yourself as an entrepreneurial mommy or tag mommy out. first? What what is so? For, are you always so? Tell me, what's tell your me. label? How do you? Yeah. No, how do I label myself? No. How do you really label? I don't think label. I think it's more how do you like departmentalize or or categorize like how it goes like in your life now. Oh, that's so, really interesting because I I am sorry. It, yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't understand. This is a space I don't understand because we've talked about this so many times. Because I only have puppies. I mean, I have dogs. I don't have children, which I know changes a lot of things. Sure. But toddlers and puppies are not that different. They're very yeah, it's, The only difference is puppy, <laughs> It's all training. Puppy bill only lasts, like, is a much shorter yeah, time period. <laughs> Toddler head goes on yeah. seemingly ever. Because I have, like, and then 18 they years. Five, and that sucks, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah it like, all sucks. Again, I could put mine in a kennel. <laughs> yeah, you cannot. Get Norman. <laughs> I love you, Norman. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> My kids already know I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when Norman was first born, I classically referred to our relationship as frenemies. <laughs> that, was, that was our dynamic for the first few months, for sure. <laughs> Do you have a um, public Instagram? I think you do, right? I do. Yeah, he's I, on there. You can look at. I was gonna say, you know, I was gonna say, like, anybody that's listening, if you really want to, like, and you're a mom or you're, you know, a dad with a young kid, like, Sarah does post the funniest pictures and like she does like talk about like, like what it's like. Yeah. And I feel like it's a good headspace when you think that like you're the only one because you're not. You're not the no, only one. God, no, you're not. All right. Anyway, Sorry, I don't want to like. I don't want to call anybody out who uses this term, but I have like serious issues with the concept of like mumpreneur, which is like a term. I know. Ew. You're making, I know, Ew. exactly. That, I mean, that's like. I'm sorry, but that like, sounds like a bunch of it's granny it's like came panties. up with that. It's gross. I'm not sure about it. It's real gross. <laughs> and I've had people like who didn't know me before I had like, you know, quote unquote mom friends who didn't know me before I had Norman and have been like, oh, you're a mompreneur. Cause I had like, well, yeah, I'm home with my son full time, but I also do that, you know, like. And I just have such like an intense reaction to that term. One thing I think traditionally that term often re- like applies to like women who start a business after they had a child and that business was like, they realized there was like some void in the marketplace for kids, like it's a kid related. Yeah. But it's kind of reached out to like, if you have a business and you're a mom, you're a mompreneur. And my issue with that is just that like any man would ever call himself a dadpreneur. Like no, they would say, just, I'm a businessman. Yeah, but, and it and, just drives me crazy. I think what it does <laughs> is it feels like it softens or yeah. even apologizes it makes it less for yeah. you to have like a business as a woman. And I don't even under uh, that's the thing yeah. I have no understanding whatsoever. I understand that is more complicated yeah. to do what you do, whatever your career is, whether you have a business or you're going off to the office every day. Or it's whatever job you go to, as a mom, is more difficult than not. But I also don't think it's... I mean, the fact... It, it doesn't... It, mompreneur makes it sound like you're almost forgiving. Yeah. Or... I, I don't or know. Or it's a joke job. Yeah. yeah it's it's yeah, not real. It's not real. It's not real. Like, it's not a joke. Like, you know, you bring in a certain amount of money and you're like, a, you know, yeah. bringing, you're, you're contributing to your household income. Yeah. Or, like, for... <laughs> Or you're even taking the big risk to figure you. it out. I'm going to be honest with you. I hate that. And I think everybody <laughs> should stop saying that. because it's awful. Because it's literally so degrading. Like, I fight yeah. every day in this business to, like, make sure that women are equal in restaurants or restaurateurs and stuff like that. You know, and I'm only 20 years into this business. There are women before me that really took the brunt of the beating. And that's fucked up. That yeah. is yeah. just it's wrong. Gross. Yeah. 
A mom panora. What, what, what are you like making socks in your basement? Like, yeah. Shut the fuck up. But even even if you were making socks in your basement, which and is great fine, socks, like, they could be great socks. You weren't. That has nothing less, to do with anything. Nothing. Yeah. Has nothing. You could to also do. be making socks in your basement and not have a child. Yes. So like. So then, what are you? Sockpreneur? Or, or just you're an entrepreneur? Or like you're an entrepreneur? I, I think yeah. that's it. I think it's, it's hard enough, you know, it's hard enough to become an entrepreneur. I think it's hard enough to take yeah. the risk and it's, show your work. Show your work to people. It's really scary. Yeah. It's hard. I. It's, Give me three Louise points. Louise and I were talking previously. <laughs> I am not my worst skill set at being like an, an entrepreneur or a business person whatever is that like I'm the last person who's going to be at a party and like take every opportunity to like tell you about what I do and like pitching random like it's just it's not my comfort level and it's just not who I am and I see people who do it beautifully and I'm just like damn like that's amazing but it's just it's never been like that's never been my first yeah. instinct. Yeah. If you have two bourbons before you go to your next meeting, I guarantee you, you'll be like, and this shit is the shit, and that's what you need to get. But it is. It's hard. I think it's not that I think anyone would ever, like, well, some people at craft fairs do say the rudest things. But in general, it's not like I don't think that you'll put yourself out there and tell somebody about your work and, like, to your face, people will really be like, mm, you know, whatever. Right. But it does take a certain level of bravery to put something out there that you've taken time and you well, care about. As an artist, it takes To be time. commented on yes. in this world is, uh, like... <laughs> wait, that, give me your it's best, a lot. Give me your best comment, worst comment, go. I mean, generally, over... For the most part, the main thing is that people either gripe about pricing... Yeah, and I always. just want to be like, I wish you even begun to understand like how little I make <laughs> off of this. This particular, you have like certain pieces that like, it's again, it's not like how you price things in restaurant. Like you have the things that really move and you make a lot of money and then you have like that passion dish that like <laughs> you make oh. like 30 cents off it, but sorry. you feel really strongly yeah, about sorry. it. <laughs> You're a lost leader. Got yeah, it. Exactly. You're a lost leader. Uh, yeah. I have quite a few of those. Okay. So it's a lot of like... A, of that but sometimes I think people don't connect back to the fact that like I'm standing here and I made this and I put a lot of time in it like I don't ever take it personal in that sense that I don't think that they've really drawn that connection but it's usually related to price points is like the main why is that when so you know here's here's a PSI for this segment (laughs) when you go to a craft fair you're not there to like bar. This is a bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's not a, a bizarre. It's bizarre in some country where like they're here and like they inflated the price so much that they're gonna haggle with you, right? You, they're there because they want to show you their their art and their their wares and what they did and like their craftsmanship. And I feel like you know you pay for what it's worth. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if you see something you like, it's worth that price tag to you. It yeah. becomes personalized to you. Well, I've yeah. often found that like. You could have some person look at, like, one pair of earrings and make, like, a little, like, aside to their friend about the price and walk away, and the next person walks by and takes, like, four pairs. So they're like, done, great, price is perfect. So, like, so I don't concern myself. I try not to concern myself with the person who it's not right for them because it's going to be the right price point for somebody else. And I've always felt very strongly that I... I'd rather charge a price that I feel like respects, like, my time... Than and sell less. Yes. Then sell more of something at a price that I don't feel like does justice to the time that I know that I've put into it. And also sometimes just straight up the actual material cost, which is yeah, 
I yeah. can't even. So, the number one factor. I have a funny little story on this. I went. I, I, I was in. I was in New York. <laughs> I went up to. I, in my past life, went up to New York, and they were doing a. They get a, and I'm early, so I'm in Grand Central because I realized I forgot my laptop charger. So I'm going to Apple Store, grab one. But I walk in and there's a mart because it's like holiday season. Mm-hmm. There's all this beautiful jewelry, a lot of artisans. And I was looking at like some of the jewelry and I was like, oh, I like this piece. I like this because I really like the work the woman had done. And I see these other ones and they are like gold. They look gold. I don't know they are gold, but sure. I'm like, oh. And I put them on and what happened was I had lost one earring along the way. <laughs> on the train somehow I lost an earring. So I... I looked at all the price points, and they were comfortable price points. And I was like, oh, and I just, everything I had looked at, I get to this one pair. I put them in. I'm really liking them. She puts the backs on them. And now other people are starting to gather around. And I was like, okay, I'll just take these. Of course, I never looked at the price tag. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? It was a $350 buy. When wow. I, everything else I was looking at was like at the $70 price point, yeah. which was an artist who had yeah. like handmade all these, these earrings. And I, but it was at that point where everyone's looking at you and you're like, <laughs> and they're in my ears and you're like, okay, here's the credit card. <laughs> so that was my, I yeah. accidentally you bought $350. Happens. I accidentally bought the yeah. $50 earrings. Well. And that's how that happens. Yeah. But I, I still think the work was worth it. There, I still have them. They're very beautiful earrings, and yeah. the work that she put into them, and that they're gold. I mean, the well, quality. that I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever I only occasionally make solid gold pieces because most of the time when people ask me, I'm always thrilled to do it. But once they see the price, they go, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> I'm just like, gold is massively expensive. I get it. I think I my mixture's necklace is gold. It's silver. <laughs> it is. It is. Look at Sorry. My, look at my, I, think it, I, I know. I think it's real. Um, hold on. I want to talk about that. So this is my question. Do you like buy a... So I'm obsessed with commerce and like yeah. whatever. So when you buy gold, how do you buy it? Well, if you were buying it to cast, there's a thing called casting grain. And it's like literally like pellets of gold so that like you they easily melt down into like making like a mass um i mean you obviously again like if you do fabrication you can buy it in various sheets and wires that you then solder together and make other shapes but that's how you buy it and interestingly enough i never understood it before i started buying metals is that it's like the price is um it's like attached to the commodities market in like chicago yeah, yeah so I can pretty much guess what's happening with gold or silver based on like what like gas prices are. <laughs> like that's like <laughs> I can tell if gas is twenty cents higher. Yeah. I know. Like, you I was like, oh, like gold bars. Gold went up today. No, yeah. I don't have gold bars. I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> How much does a gold bar cost? I couldn't even oh. begin to like. Well, well gold, gold bar based on coin weight. would be where you on start on a coin probably. So <laughs> <and> what <laughs> do they weigh? What do they weigh? Like an ounce? Like what's I an could, ounce? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. So which I have I no idea. Love this game. It is by, it's definitely by like, it's ounces or the penny weight like that. But if you had a gold bar, what do you do to melt it? Can you melt it like chocolate? I feel like you melt it like chocolate, do you? <laughs> no, you do, it like, you do so. it like on Game of Thrones. I think you trade it. <laughs> I, think, I think it exists as a thing to buy and sell. That is, I mean, I could be a thousand percent wrong, but I think yeah. that like, that's so, the power of a gold bar is like what it represents in a cash value, not in like what it can be 
transformed into. So basically, you buy like the little rock version of yes, it. So you're buying the cocaine yeah. version, yeah. No, <laughs> the, the crack rock version of, of the brick. Of yeah. the brick. I yeah. got it. I got you. Yeah. I um I I totally get it now. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> All right. Here's my. I have a question. Yeah. She always question. has. This is her. This is her closing question. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up only because it's. Oh, wait, wait, wait! Before we do that, yeah, it's starting to rain. <laughs> okay. If you want the the recipe for today's cocktail, or you want to find out how to get all of Sarah's goods, Sarah detail, Cecilia Jewelry, where are you heading to? You're going, okay, you ready? We're not. Yeah, I'm, I'm asking you. <laughs> where, where are we telling them to go, Gina? Uh, designated Drinker Dot Show. What's that one more time? It's Designated Drinker Dot Show. And Gina's gonna have all her how tos, her tips, her all her pro tips on how to make the cocktails on every episode that we've had. And we're also gonna make sure that all of the links for Sarah are live. Yes. And then how to deal gold in the street. Yeah. Yes, of course. Or yeah. to make a grill to fix my face. I don't know what we're doing with the gold. Oh my but... God! Can you make a custom grill? <laughs> That's even better. I mean, let's I, do. I'm always up for a new challenge. <laughs> Wait a minute. We should have a. Can you just like I like traditionally. Tea? I'm like traditionally. I hate custom work. I'm like one of the few people who makes things that like anyone's like. I have a custom idea. And I'm just like, uh, great. Damn. But that one. <laughs> I'll cash that grill. Yeah, that one actually excites me. I'll be honest with you, I will totally rock a grill to be a total maniac. How many letters designated drinker? That's a lot. You'd have to do an upper and a lower. Yeah. Maybe we could do it together, Gina. We do it together, but we smile and it says the whole thing. next to each other. You have to make sure you're standing in the right way. Yeah, we're wrong. People are like, what the fuck is that? Let's go inside. Let's go inside. Okay, but no, you got your final question. Oh, God, you forgot about it. And it's my favorite question. It is. All right, ready? If you had to describe yourself as one ingredient, your spirit ingredient, what would it be? In lieu of being like your animal spirit, what would it be? Yeah, your booze spirit. Well, yeah, had a couple drinks. Yeah, yeah. ingredient. I I mean, I want to say mezcal. Oh, she went the spirit route. Like, she doesn't like a brown. I like it. There you go. Was that not the question? No, it is. It is. <laughs> I mean, no, it's however you determine spirit, um, spirit ingredient. Oh, you want, like, my actual spirit animal. Your no. spirit ingredient. Your spirit ingredient. And she yeah. went mezcal. mezcal. I think it's mezcal. Are you trying to be my sister from another mother? Yeah. Father? Maybe. Mister. <laughs> sister from another mister. I mean, I say and, that and because... I can never resist. Anytime I'm, I see a mezcal cocktail on a cocktail list, I, that's always my like my first stop. Oh, it just smoky. It, call, it does. It calls yeah, to me. Does. It calls to me. You know, I got some inside. Oh, I know you do. <laughs> we can do this. We're okay, doing it. Then we're wrapping yeah. up, doing some mezcal shots. Perfect. Perfect.